Well, church, let me uh, first just say, man, just that all of our campuses are so blessed, I believe, with some of the greatest worship pastors uh, that I've ever been around. And with Will and his team out at North doing such a good job, and Dwayne and his crew at Maine just doing an incredible job, and then uh, Patrick and our team at East, I love getting to follow them every single week. And so, man, I, I'm, I think we're blessed here at Lindsay Lane uh, with some awesome, awesome teams. And so I'm thankful for each one of these guys and their, their heart for worship music and their friendship. And so and I'm thankful for Noah uh, and Jesse. I got to, got to see them and, and know them the last few years, and it's just been incredible to see them grow and watch uh, God do some really cool things through them uh, at Community and then at East, and now watching them go back to the church that I started off at, at Salem Springs Baptist Church. Uh, I'm so thankful that uh, that they're going to get to go there and be around those sweet people too. Uh, but today I get the privilege of of introducing and beginning this message series that we've titled "We the Church." Um, this is coming from all three of us as teaching pastors here at Lindsay Lane. That's uh, me and Andy, John, and Alan. We've we've uh, we're going to be going through the Book of Colossians, and so during a season like this, our experience of church is drastically different than what we're used to. Right. I think that's the elephant in the room. Right? That's what we all recognize. All of our programs, plans and events have somewhat been thrown out the window and it can feel like churches don't even exist anymore. It can it can feel like Lindsay Lane ceased to exist when this happened. But that's not the case. Look, what we're experiencing is simply a change in our circumstance. Right. And that change demands a response from the church. You see, the church throughout its history has been recognizing changes in the circumstances around them, the culture that they're in, and then they've been responding. With each change, they would ask the same question that all of your pastoral staff at all of our campuses have been asking this week. How can we effectively make disciples given this change in circumstance? And for us, the question directly is, how can we effectively make disciples given that our people can't gather together here at church for worship or in groups. And look, we're not telling you we got it figured out, okay? Uh, our, our plans are going to continue to morph and change as we continue to ask that question. We don't feel like God's given us this clear answer yet of exactly what we're going to do during this time, but what we do know is that there are some things about the church that never change, that we're never going to give an inch on, no matter the circumstance. And that's what this series is really all about. What are the things that we, the church, have got to always be about? What are the non-negotiables for us in Scripture? And that led us, actually, to the prison letters of Paul. Uh, that's kind of where we, as, uh, as, as teaching pastors, started thinking. So think for a moment. Think about Paul. For years after his conversion, Paul traveled the known world, preaching the gospel and helping to establish churches and cities all over. He had developed a system of the routes that he took, uh, probably even boats, particular boats that he rode on uh, on his journeys and the cities that he would check on. He had plans and processes just like any good leader should. And then he was put in prison. The great traveling church planner was put in chains. Now, any logical person hearing that and knowing that Paul had no access to email or Facebook or whatever, any modern technology, he would think, you would think, this is the end of Paul. Like Paul's ministry is shot. 
You can't pull it off 2,000 years ago. You can't pull off being a church planner in prison. That would be the end of his ministry, right? It's actually wrong. Paul continued in the ministry. But listen, he had to rethink everything about how he was making disciples. We are not trying to equate our COVID-19 quarantine of 2020 to Paul being arrested for preaching the gospel. Those two are very different situations. We're simply saying that even though our circumstances may change, the gospel must continue to go forward. And what we believe is actually that it will go forward. <laughs> Whether we see it happen here at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church or not, during this time, God's going to continue to press the gospel forward to the lost through the churches that adapt to the times. The choice before us as a church and as campuses is to adapt and take part in the life-changing experiences of grace that will occur during this quarantine or settle in and shut her down. And we as your pastors are unwilling to settle. We're following the example of Paul and we're rethinking everything so that we might partner with God in his mission through our circumstances that have changed so drastically. So, the prison letters. Paul wrote at least three of them from prison. The one that we settled on for our study was Colossians. And I want to read to you just the introductory statements from Paul. And then we're going to come back and start diving into the text here. Paul this is uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints in Christ at Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father. As you can see in those two verses, this letter is just like the letters we write today, or don't write, or emails, or text, or whatever, right? It was from someone to someone. In this case, it was from Paul and his disciple Timothy to the believers in Colossae. Throughout his letter, Paul covers a whole bunch of topics. We, of course, in a three-week series, cannot cover each one. Um, but what we're going to do is we've pulled out three key themes that we believe are present in, in these four chapters. We believe in this letter, Paul is summing up for the church in, uh, there what is really important about what they were doing. He's answering for them, and we believe answering for us the three fundamental focuses of the church. Christ, commitment, and community. I'm going to take the first one today and look at Christ, and then uh, Andy, uh, Alan and Andy John are going to take the other two in the coming weeks. The first thing Paul wanted us to see, that Christ is supreme. Paul makes it a point on the front end of this letter to drive home that Jesus Christ wasn't just a man who was crucified. He was a supreme being, the Son of God, that was worthy of worship. He does this by what many scholars have called the Christ hymn of Colossians, verses 15 through 20 of, of chapter 1. Uh, it's not meant to be read as some rigid theological statement. It's meant to be read poetically or even musically. I'm not going to ask Will and the team to come back up and sing this to you, but I'm just going to read it as best I know how and think of it that way. Starting in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. 
He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now there's somewhere between three and eight full-length sermons found in this text but we're not going to do that, okay? I'm just going to focus on really two specific ways that Christ is seen as supreme and then give you one walking point or two or three, depending on how we get there, um, for you today that we see in this hymn, all right? So if I know I've got some type A note takers at East. And I'm sure we do at the other campuses too. So point number one, <laughs> Christ is over all creation. Christ is over all creation. Look at verse 16. He says, everything was created by him. And just in case you thought Paul was just talking about trees and animals and stars and stuff, he goes on to say everything in heaven and earth. He says, then he gives some categories. He says, visible and invisible. Thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. What Paul's saying is that every category of creation you can think of that's what Christ created. And then he reassures us at the end, all things have been created through him. Now, that's a different word than he used earlier, right? Paul said all things were, everything was created by him. Now he says all things were created through him, and he ends with for him. See, Jesus wasn't just involved in creation. All of creation is for him. Creation wasn't a blessing for mankind. Creation exists for the glory of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when we say that Christ is over all creation, I don't just mean that he's more important or more powerful than anything, though those things are true. What we see in Scripture is that Christ has all authority over creation. He's not only the author of creation, he has all authority. That's what Paul's getting at in verse 17. He says, he is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He existed before all things, and by him all things hold together. That's a crazy idea. Not only did our Savior create, but he sustains. The only reason why the universe continues to exist as it does is because of him. All the scientific facts and formulas and consistencies are only... Facts, formulas, and consistent because Christ says so. He's active in keeping them that way. He didn't speak things into existence and then back away. He continues to have all authority over every molecule of the universe. It's designed to blow your mind by Paul. Because in seasons like we're currently in, we need to be reminded that Christ is over all creation. Amen. A good father and a gracious savior are at the helm of the universe and they can be fully trusted. You may have some why questions in times like these. Okay. And you're, and honestly, I'm just going to be straight with you. You won't necessarily find all the answers the way that you're looking for when you go to scripture, when you have why questions, we all have them and you need to be okay with that because we find our hope, not in the why question, but the who question. Who is in control? See, we know that answer beyond any shadow of a doubt, and it should bring us comfort and peace. 
That's what Christ was getting at when he, when he told his disciples what we call the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Now, if you grew up in church like I did, you probably only memorized 19 and 20, and shame on your Sunday school teacher, right? 19 and 20 is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and it continues on from there. But it's verse 18 that gives the verse its power. Because Jesus says this, before he sends his disciples out to go and make disciples, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, go and make disciples of all nations. You see how Christ, having all authority, should empower us to be bold, but also comfort us during difficulties. So if you're scared or fearful during this time, it's okay. But find your peace and rest in the fact that Christ is over all creation. Now back to the text. Paul doesn't stop with this. So we've got this zoomed out view where where he zooms out and he shows all of creation, the entire universe. We know that Christ is over that. But then he zooms in a little bit. He begins zooming in. Point number two, Christ is over the church. Paul says, and he begins in verse 18, he is also the head of the church or of the body, the church. So this is supposed to grab our attention. We've just seen this massively cosmic view of the power of God's son as he creates and sustains the entire universe with power and authority. And then Paul jumps and says, and he's also head of the church. This is a strategic move. He wanted our minds blown so that when he zoomed in, we would listen. When most people think about the expanse of the universe, they recognize I have no control over how fast Saturn spins or whether it spins. I didn't look that up. But we recognize we have no control over these big things in the universe. But many of them would look at the church and believe that they have some control. I mean, I control the planet staying in orbit, but I tell you what, I ain't going to let my church change too much, right? God, you keep everything going right in the universe and you let us handle the church. We got this. <laughs> this was, this is why we, no one's ever said that, but that's the way that we think. That's the way that we, that's the way our heart feels sometimes. This is the very idea that Paul is pushing against. You see, if we truly believe that Christ is over all creation and has all authority in it, what makes you and me think we have any authority in the church? That's not ours, not even ours as pastors. I'm in a room full of pastors right now. It ain't even ours. Christ is the ultimate pastor of Lindsay Lane. Christ is the ultimate pastor of every church. And this is his church, not mine, not ours as a pastoral staff. If he wants to shake things up, he can because he has all authority. We've got to be open to the move of Christ in our churches Because there's no detailed church blueprint in the Bible. No scripture that says, do it this way. The call is on us to make disciples as effectively as we can. And the ways we accomplish that will change and should change over time. We've got to listen to Christ more than we listen to our preferences and experiences. Because this is his church, not ours. So Christ is over creation and he's over the church. And if we stopped there, we would have two well-worded facts that you could memorize and impress your small group with sometime after Corona's dead. But Paul's not done yet. There's a purpose behind why Paul gives us these statements and others that we didn't even have time to focus on. And it's found right at the end of verse 18. So that he might come to have first place in everything. 
acknowledging and believing the supremacy of Christ in all of creation and the church is essential for us. If we're going to allow this to zoom in a little further, I told you we started with creation and we zoomed in a little bit and we're looking at the church. But Paul's design is to zoom all the way in to us as individuals. Recognizing Christ is over creation and over the church so that we can then acknowledge him as supreme in our families and in our own lives. He wants first place in everything and we need to give it to him. Because it's his anyway. But listen, it begins with acknowledging who he is. It doesn't begin with your actions. Stop trying to fix it yourself. Listen, everybody listening to me. Christ wants first place in everything in your life. He is more important than your job. He's more important than your friends. He's more important than your wife and kids. And I know that may be tough to think about, but Christ is supreme over all things. And because he is supreme, he has authority. He deserves our worship and deserves our lives lived in full devotion to him. That's literally what it means to call him Lord. If you're listening and would say that you are a Christian, let me ask you, are you living a life in full submission to Christ? If not, you need to know that you can't fix it by yourself. So many of us have tried to fix ourselves. We've thrown our computers out into the yard like... Kirk Cameron on Fireproof and we've we've turned off social media and we've 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 got rid of friends in our life but guys that's not the answer it's a temporary fix to a heart problem it's all it's Jesus only Jesus who can fix our wretched selves and if we're in if you are in this place with a lack of submission if you admit that today you don't need to fix something what you need to do is dwell on the bigness of the God you serve and the Savior who died for you. And you need to recognize that He is over all creation and He is over the church and therefore He is over you. Submission begins in our heart and our mind long before it finds its way into our actions. Dwell on those two things. And if you're listening today and and you would say that you're not a follower of Jesus... Let me read the last two verses of this hymn to you. Verses 19 and 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Listen, your sin has separated you from a holy God. God designed you to be here with him, but your sin has separated you from a holy God. And there is nothing you can do to get back into this relationship. All the good deeds, all the Bible reading, all the church attendance doesn't move you one inch closer to who God is. However, Paul says in Colossians that it pleased God to make a way for you to be reconciled. What was that way? Jesus' blood shed and his death on the cross. Jesus died so that we might live forever with God in spite of the sins that we commit. If you, tr- if you would trust in Jesus Christ as the only one who can fix that relationship with God, believing that he died for you and was raised again to life for your reconciliation, you can be saved for a life lived for God. You can pray a prayer in your heart now, turning from the sin in your life and asking God to forgive you, trusting in Jesus' name as Savior. Jesus Christ will in that moment begin in you 
what he began in me when I was a young child. A lifelong process of looking like Jesus. If you're a Christian who needs to refocus your heart and mind on the supremacy of Christ so that you can be a more fully devoted follower of Christ, or if you're not a believer and you've prayed a prayer similar to what I just outlined today, let us know. Email us at info at lindsaylane.org or, or email me at heath at lindsaylane.org. We, we want to know how, what next steps God may be using, uh, calling you to during this time. Because God wants us, when we come to his word, to be changed by it. I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then uh, Pastor Allen's going to come up and uh, give some closing thoughts. Bow your heads with me at home or wherever you are. Father, we are so thankful, God, that... Uh, that you didn't just create and back away. But God, you created and you are actively involved in our lives and in all of creation. And so, Father, um, God, today as we've opened up your word, I pray, God, that uh, that we leave here with a better understanding and a, uh, a better knowledge of, of uh, the, the supremacy of Christ and over all creation and over our church and over each of our lives. Father, draw us closer into a relationship with you and help us to be obedient. We're so thankful during this time, God, that, that we can still get together, even though it's not typically how we get together. But God, continue to allow us to be open and God, continue to grow. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.